my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to another segment <coughs> of Verse of the Day. Today's verse comes from Psalm 19, 1 through 6, which says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. <coughs> Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens, and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So David here marvels at how God reveals himself through his world and through his word. So verses 1 through 6 depict the created world as communicating constantly. That's what we just read. This never-ending revelation reaches everyone. So Psalm 119.1 evokes the creation account. That's the part that says the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So God's glory is on permanent display in the skies. <coughs> Since the creation of the world, the skies have been telling humanity about God every day without fail. They use no human language. The whole earth hears and understands. The Apostle Paul argues that human beings are accountable to God because creation plainly declares his glory. <coughs> it's Romans 1, 19-20. Later, Paul quotes Psalm 119-4 to emphasize that the Jews were exposed to the gospel just as the inhabitants of the earth are exposed to the skies. So continuing the thought at the end of verse 4, David gives a specific example of how creation communicates. He describes the sun's arc across the sky using two metaphors. So that part about where verse 4 ends is, right, it says in the, um, their voices go into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Right. Then it picks up, it says, in heaven, in the heavens God pitched a tent for the sun. So now he, we come to the two part, two metaphors. So that's the part where it says, it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. So that's the first metaphor, groom exiting his chamber to begin the wedding processional. The second metaphor is like a champion rejoicing to run his course. On a <coughs> Or, in other words, an athlete exploding off the starting line to run his race. So the sun's trajectory covers the whole earth. 
So no person can claim they have not experienced this heat because everyone experiences this revelation. So that concludes our verse of the day segment. We're now going to move on through into day 120 of our Through the Bible in One Year segment. So our focus passage for today and for the next several days is going to be coming out of the book of John. So for today it is John 1, 1 through 18. So before we get started on that passage, we gotta lay a little bit of foundational ground work. So we can understand what exactly we're talking about here. So John's Gospel is different from the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Right, in that more than 90% of its material is unique. That means more 10% of the material that you find in John is repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That means 90%, that means the other 90% only appears in John's Gospel. So John's Gospel does not focus on the miracles, parables, and public speeches that are so prominent in the other Gospels. So that's not what John gospel, John's Gospel focuses on. What then does John's Gospel focus on? Focus on? So John's Gospel instead chooses, John chooses instead to focus his Gospel on the emphasis of the identity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and how we as believers, and how everyone on earth should respond to his teachings. Bear that in mind. So with that being said, right, so we're gonna read, John focuses on, John emphasizes the identity of Jesus as the Son of God, and how we as believers, and how everyone in the world should react to that teaching. So with that in mind, with that being said, we're going to spend more time in the Gospel of John than what we spent in any of the other three. In my opinion, <coughs> John's Gospel is very important. The other Gospels are important, yes. But John takes the time to not just prove through a genealogy, which is what Matthew and Luke do, nor to prove through just mere actions like Mark does that Jesus is the Son of God. John goes a step further. So that means what that also means that we're probably discuss all of the daily reading that comes from John because we're going to be going into much greater detail with John than any of the other three Gospels. So today we're going to be focusing on the prologue of John, which is the first 18 verses. So we're going to start off with that. So we're going to start off with the first five, which say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. 
in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So picking up there, right? So remember, this is the prologue, which sets forth in, dyn- in dramatic fashion the deity of Jesus Christ. So this prologue is the lens through which the rest of John's Gospel is to be read and to be studied. So many of his most important themes are introduced here. Things, themes such as light, darkness, truth, witness, and the world. So John applies the title of the word to Jesus. He applies the title of the word, excuse me, to Jesus here in the prologue, but nowhere else in his gospel. That's important to keep in mind. So the background to the term, to the term the word, is found, can be found in the Old Testament, where God's word is the dynamic force of his will. So that's found in Genesis 1-3, Psalm 33-6, and Isaiah 55:11. So, although Jesus is not mentioned by name until John 1:17, keep that in mind. Jesus is not mentioned by name through until John 1:17. The original readers of John's Gospel would have known that Jesus is the Word <coughs> from the opening lines. So with that in mind, the opening words of John's Gospel are reminiscent of the opening lines of the Bible. So John opens his Gospel with these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So how does the Bible open? What are the opening lines of the Bible? Which would be the first line in Genesis. So Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Hmm. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, John begins his gospel by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's how John begins his gospel. So, in the first two verses, John declares that the Word has always existed, is in the closest possible relationship to God the Father, and is divine. So, we already talked about verse 1, so what's the second verse? So, the second verse says, He was with God in the beginning. So John continues by explaining that God created all things through the agency of the Word, and that nothing has been created that the Word did not create. So that's verse 3, which says, Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. Hmm. You follow me so far? This includes both both physical and spiritual light and life. So then we come to verse 4. In him life, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So now we come to this most important verse, verse 5, which says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. So this verse, in this verse, John hints at the future conflict between the light and darkness. 
So throughout this gospel, we're going to read how Jesus' opponents tried to kill him, but their efforts repeatedly failed. Yet there was an even bigger battle brewing, a cosmic battle between the light and the darkness, between truth and error, between the devil and Jesus. And we learn in the beginning of this gospel that no matter how hard the darkness tries, it will not defeat the light. So now we're going to pick up in verse 6 and go through verse 8. So two verses here, or three verses, excuse me. There was a man sent from God, whose, na <coughs> whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. He only came as a witness to the light. So the individual that we see here named as John, John the Baptist and not John the Apostle. So all four Gospels associate John the Baptist with the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So the Apostle Paul contrasts, the Apostle John, excuse me, contrasts the Word with John the Baptist. The contrast between them could not be stated any more plainly. John the Baptist was a man, while the word is divine. So, <clears throat> that's verse 7. He says, it says he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So John the Baptist, however, was on an important mission from God to bear witness to the incarnate light. So now we're going to go to the next set of verses, which, is, which are verses 9 through 13, which say the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So, John the Baptist's testimony that we just heard about was not to an abstraction. It was not to some vague idea, but it was to a person. So, the reference to Jesus as the true light affirms him as the authentic light over and against every false light. So, John the Apostle uses the term world in several different ways. It can refer to the universe, it can refer to the earth, it can refer to the people on the earth, it can refer to people in opposition to God, or it can refer to the human system in opposition to God's purpose. So John emphasizes the importance of the term by his repeated use of it. So any term that is repeatedly used 
over and over and over again. It's an important term that you need to bear in mind. Remember one of the themes we said that, were in, that was introduced here? The theme was the world, right? Remember that? Hopefully you did. If not, I just reminded you of it. He moves from one, he, John moves from one meaning of, of it to another without explanation. It's the only way to determine which emphasis John intends is through the context. So here, the world of the world of people the world created did not recognize him, and the people that waited for him, that would be the Jews here, did not accept him. That would be Jesus. <clears throat> the reason they did not accept him was because he was not the kind of military messiah the Jews had anticipated, the Jews had hoped for someone who was going to come and free them from the oppression that the Roman Empire had put them under. However, all was not lost because many put their faith in him, in Jesus, as the gospel describes. And those who believe in him become, become God's children, becoming part of God's family. is a divine work, a supernatural birth. Are you following so far? That's a big theme in John, right? Is that becoming a part of God's family is a divine work. A supernatural birth. It's not something that happens because of the will of a man and the will of a woman, but it happens because you have chosen to follow God. So now we're going to move on to the next set of verses, which are which are, which are the last verses in our chosen passage, starting in verse 14 and going through verse 18, which said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we're going to stop right there for just a small, small minute. So the fact that the Word made His dwelling among us means He did not remain aloof or separate from those He created. Bear that in mind. But He lived among us, manifesting His presence and the glory of God. So the imagery here is reminiscent of the Old Testament tabernacle, where God dwelt among His people. The word Jesus did not cease being God when he took on human form and human flesh, but he came but he became the God man. He became God in flesh. Jesus is God's son in a way that is different from every other child of God. Furthermore, Jesus the Word is the perfect balance of grace and truth. So in the Old Testament, grace and truth communicate God's covenant faithfulness to His people. Right? And Christ manifested His glory to His disciples by the signs He performed and by His death and His resurrection. So now we're going to move on. So we're going to pick up in verse 15 and we're going to go through the end of 
of this prologue. So verse 15 says, John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he, he was before me. So out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So the, so the, God, the Apostle John, John now turns to the abundant grace God Christ bestows on his people. And who are his people? All those who accept his abundant grace. His people are everybody in the world, and he is willing to extend his abundant grace to all of them. Grace is inexhaustible, and is even greater than God's grace demonstrated in the old covenant that was only made available to the people of Israel. So the superiority of this grace is seen in the fact, the fact that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you see, the law was given through Moses. The law that nobody could keep. The law that kept people apart from God because they couldn't follow it completely. Whereas Jesus came and he brought grace and truth. Grace being the unwarranted favor and unmerited favor of God. And truth being the fact that you don't need to dot every I, cross every T, and fulfill all of the things that the law said in order to become a part of God, in order to come into God's presence, which is what the law said. The law was put in place to demonstrate that this was impossible and that it is still impossible. Right? So John concludes his prologue, he concludes it in the same way he began it by establishing the deity of Jesus, the Word. Jesus makes the invisible God visible. And we will pick up there, from there, tomorrow. And with tomorrow's Bible reading is being Judges 13 through 14, John 1, 29 through 51, Psalm 102, 1 through 28, and Proverbs 14, 15 through 16. And in case you were wondering, because I don't think I told you, today's Bible readings are Judges 11 through 12. John 1, 1 through 28, Psalm 101, 1 through 8, and Proverbs 14, 13 through 16.